You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Amen. I invite you to take a seat this morning and turn with me in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah 33, looking at verses 2 and 3 this morning. If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hand up. One of our ushers will be more than happy to get a copy of God's Word in front of you that you might watch, uh, look along, and see what God has for you today. As we start another year and think about all that God has done in four and a half years, even all that God has done in the last year, I can't help but be like, wow, God, where does this all come from? Where does it all come from? It comes from God. And we prayed before we started this church, Lord, would you do something in our church that everybody else could stand back and say, it's only God who did it. These people couldn't do this. It only can be God. And so we are seeing that happen. And all we can attribute it to, honestly, is, is, is the, the blessing of God, the grace of God. And also, number two, is this our firm belief in the power of prayer. Amen? How does God do all this? How does, how does God get 10 people to stand up before us and tell about a changed life and him be baptized? How does, how does God fill this place on a Christmas Eve with his spirit and with people to worship him? How does God give us a hundred and a blue collar, $180,000 for a Christmas? Like, how does that happen? It happens through the power of prayer. Amen? Prayer to the believer, prayer to the church is like a defibrillator is to the heart. Where there is prayer, there is the life and vitality and activity of God. Where there is no prayer, it's flatlined. And so even all these things we're seeing and announcing today with staffing and deacons and Christmas offering, what God's doing, you know, I'm more convinced than ever that we have to be a church that prays. I'm more convinced than ever, more eager than ever to pray because we know when we pray, God responds and God acts and God's work. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to just run through 2016 and get to the end and say, I didn't see any of God's activity in my life for our church. Do you want that? I don't want it either. And so what do we have to do? We have to be a people who prays. Prayer is really the key to believe firmly in the power of prayers. We pray, God moves. And so we're gonna spend the next five weeks in our sermon series and the next nine weeks in our small groups just studying prayer. And my heart for you in this whole next little while, this whole right up till Easter, is not that we, in our small groups, up till Easter, in the next five weeks of sermons, not that, not that I tell you to pray. I've, I think I can tell you to pray. I think you know how to pray, but instead to create a hunger and a thirst and an eagerness in you to want to pray, to see God at work in you and through you. And so we're gonna start today with Jeremiah. Jeremiah 33, verses two and three. Get this as we get into this. Prayer is so important in your life. Prayer is so important in our church. Here's what prayer is. Prayer is the God-ordained, life-giving method of connecting with God himself and knowing his presence and his purpose in your life. This is the power of prayer. Prayer is the God-ordained, life-giving method of connecting with God himself and knowing his presence and his purposes for your life. And so God this morning is calling us out to call out to him in prayer because he wants our spiritual lives to take off and our spiritual lives take off only, truly only take flight when we are people who are on our faces in prayer. The lower we get, the more activity of God we see in our lives. And so look what it says in Jeremiah chapter 33, verses two and three. Thus says the Lord. Thus says who? The Lord, this isn't, this isn't my idea. This isn't like a, a church growth strategy or something I'm coming up with that I think is good for you. Thus says the Lord. This is what God wants for your life right now this year. Not just any Lord, the Lord who made the earth and the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. This is the message from the Lord today. And here's his message, verse three. It's plain and simple. You've heard this before, but I'm praying God will give us a rejuvenation in our hearts for this. Look at verse three. says, call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. That's pretty simple, isn't it? But isn't that pretty profound? Let me read it again. Let this this full reality of what God is saying to us this morning really sink into your heart. This is God speaking. He says this. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. 
This is one of these great truths as believers that we often know, but then we don't fully realize in our lives the power and the privilege of prayer. And if our lives are really gonna take off, our spiritual lives are really gonna take off, our church is really gonna see the activity of God in our lives, we have to get this whole concept of prayer this year, right now, today. And there's four things in this passage I'm gonna point out to you that, that if we get them, our prayer lives will soar like the eagles. Number one is this, my prayer life will take off when I, number one, know the reality of the person I pray to. Don't lose, don't get lost today in the simplicity of this message. Your prayer life will take off, my prayer life will take off when we know the reality of the person we pray to. Why do you think God started a passage on prayer by first pointing out to us the vastness, the title of who he is because he knows that everything about our prayer life is rooted first in our belief about who he is and to have a full prayer life, we need to have a true belief about who God is. The passage starts with this, the Lord who made the heaven and the earth, the Lord who formed it and established it. The Lord is his name. The Lord is simply this. When he's, saying, when he's saying, hey, look up here, the Lord is speaking. The Lord is Yahweh. The Lord is the king of hosts. The Lord is the one who creates the heavenly host. God just doesn't exist this morning. He is responsible for everything that is, that is in existence. Think of this. God is the one who spoke something into the nothingness. God is the one who made light appear in the darkness. God is the one who oversaw, oversaw the installment of the seas and the land and the heavens and the earth and the morning and the night. How did all these things come about? It wasn't by this crazy big bang theory. All these things magically happened at the same time. That's, that takes more faith to believe that than it takes to believe Genesis 1. How did it all happen? One person is behind it all. Anything you've ever seen or heard or sensed, one person behind it all. Who is it? It's the Lord. And this is the person who answers our prayers. This is the person who's at the end of every time we call out to God in prayer. Who's the one who's listening? It's the, the Lord. Consider the vastness of what it really means that the Lord's the creator, the Lord's that put everything in its place. Get this, of the one billion trillion stars in the observable universe, who put every one of them exactly where they belong? Who did it? The Lord. Scientists figure there's about 100 to 200 billion galaxies. Why, why think? Because we can't even quantify it. Who put all the galaxies in their place? Who did it? Discovery Channel tells me there's nine million species of animals on the land alone. And yet consider all the land-dwelling beasts and the sea-inhabiting creatures and the flying fowl of the air. Who put them, who, who, dis, who decided what they were gonna look like? Who gave them their wings or who gave them their gills? Who did that? The, the Lord. Who fashioned every single life that ever walked on the planet? Think of the seven billion people here on earth right now and all the different nationalities, all the different sizes and shapes and seven billion different people. Apparently, according to the Population Reference Bureau, there has been over 107 billion people that have ever walked on the earth. Who's responsible for all that? The Lord. He's the creator. That's a pretty big God, don't you think? My little brain can't even comprehend. You'd ask me to create 20 different variations of supper, and there's no way. I'm Googling it, I'm trying to figure there's no way. And yet the Lord is the one who created and not even created but sustains all these things. This is the God that we pray to. If we don't understand the God that we pray to, guess what? We're not gonna pray. Not only did God create, not only did God create, it's not just the creator God's like, oh, I finished that project, stamp, it's done. But the God who created it said at the end of every day he created, he said that it was very, it was, it was what? It was good. And at the end of the time he created human beings, you and I, his special creation in his image, he said it was, you know what that means? 
That means that God's just not a creator. He, he, is, he, is, he intimately cares about every detail of his creation. Even the inanimate things he created. He said, man, that is good. He delights in it. And then when it comes to human beings, then when it comes to us, he sees us and it takes his little heartthrob up a notch. He sees humans. He's like, this is my special creation after my own image created for a relationship with me. This is very good. God isn't just a big God, but he's a God who's actively involved and cares for every minute detail of his creation, including your life. Why am I so excited about this? Because sometimes I think our prayer lives aren't going anywhere because we've lost the view of the God that we're praying to. But yet, if this is the God that we're praying to, the God who created you and cares about every little seemingly insignificant thing to you, then man, does it motivate you to want to pray? It motivates me to want to pray for sure, to, to pray harder, to pray more fervently. When I realize that every time I bow my head before dinner, I'm not just saying like a nice little sentence to get dinner on the way, I'm actually have the privilege of communicating with this God. And every time I take a minute to say prayers before night, I'm not just saying nice little sentiments to like make me feel better before I go to sleep. I actually have the opportunity to talk with this God. And every time I'm driving down the highway and I just have this little moment of like, oh, Lord, do I need you? Look to the heavens. Like I'm actually communicating with the big, caring, loving God of the universe. And even when I push my chair back in my office out of frustration or fatigue and I look up at the ceiling and and utter a few sentences, I'm, I'm actually tapping right into the very presence of the living God. Isn't that amazing? This is the God behind our prayers, Yahweh, all-powerful, ever-present, ever-faithful God. This matters. Why does this matter? Why does this matter to you, who God is? Because what you believe about God has a direct effect on the frequency, intensity, and satisfaction of your prayer life. Can I say that again? A little softer, a little gentler? What you believe about God has a direct effect on the frequency, intensity, and satisfaction of your prayer life. I say it to you like this. If you don't believe this about God, your prayer life is gonna get colder than the, the, the tub gets cold. One of the biggest drawbacks to our prayer lives, I think, I think we want to pray, I think we know we should pray. One of the biggest drawbacks is we don't believe the right things about God and we so, sort of buy into the, the Satan's little things he puts in our heads that says that God is small and you ever bought into that? You know, I can't pray because God's too small. You don't think he has the authority to power into or step into whatever's going on in your life and then you get this picture of the Lord and you're like, he's not too small for anything and so we need to rearrange our view of God. Or we start believing that God's incapable. I'm struggling my prayer life, pastor. I can't do it. Well, do you believe God's able? Well, yeah, I'd say that, but in your heart, you really don't believe that God's able. You think he's sort of a loaf and he has good intentions, but he never has any follow through. That's not God at all. This is the God who decided to make and created and sustains. Maybe we believe that God's just too preoccupied with bigger things. He's the God of the universe. Why would he care about little piddly me and my things that are going on in, 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 in and out every, my in and outs every day? See what I'm saying? If you ever struggle in your prayer life, you can probably trace one of those thoughts back to why you're not praying. God's too small. God's aloof. And God's preoccupied. I just can't pray. I don't know what to do to pray. Here's what you do just to, to rejuvenate your prayer life. You get your eyes on God again. And ask God to help you believe the right things about God. When you believe the right things about God, you know what's going to happen? Prayers are just going to flow from your lips because how can you not talk to this God that we are described here in Jeremiah 33? And when you believe these things, your prayer life, it doesn't instead of growing cold as cold as your bathtub, it actually heats up like a hot tub and it bubbles within you and you long to pray. You can't wait to pray. It's not a difficult task that we're like, oh, I got to pray today. Check, did it. It's more of a, it's more of a, I get to go to God today. I have an appointment I can't miss today with the God who sits on top of the who's who of the world. With the God whose only accountability is, according to this passage, who's God's accountability? Himself. 
God doesn't need a consultation team. He doesn't need other people's advice. God is God, all-consuming, all-encompassing. He is God. This is the God that we pray to. So basic, hey, so basic. But isn't it true that we sometimes forget the most basic things? Isn't it? You look at up here like, I'm the only one. Come on. I don't want to hammer you today. I just want to help you realize that this is the God who wrote the rest of this passage. This God longs for more than anything else, more than for you to run out and do things for him. You know what he longs for? He longs to communicate with you and have a relationship with you. You know how I know? Because look what he says next. Look what he says next. This is the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. And what he says next to these people is call to me. Three simple words that I, again, think we sometimes miss the privilege and the intensity of these words is call to me. God wants us more than anything else to delight in the privilege of prayer. To delight in this invitation that he gives to his people to pray to him. Jeremiah is sort of a unique book It's a book that is really all about destruction and it's about judgment. God's people had totally rebelled against God. They had walked away from God and they're living their lives. Basically, God didn't exist and the Babylonians came and and God allowed them to be taken into exile for 70 years, living their lives apart from God for 70 years. But then you get to chapters 30 to 33 and what's happening in these chapters is God's giving them a little glimmer of hope and he's saying to them, although you've rebelled against me, although you've chosen to not live your life near me, I want you to know this, that I'm still a God who loves you and your rejection and rebellion can never, can never take you fully away from my firm hand and grasp on your life. And it's really a message of hope of God saying, hey, if you've, if you've been away from me for a long time, the call is always standing to come back to me, come back to me. What I want more than anything else for your life is a relationship with you. For Israel, this is significant. They had lost hope. They had come to the place where their prayers weren't even being offered to God. They thought that God had forgotten them, hadn't existed, and God's like, no, 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 no. My heart in, in giving you The covenant relationship he gave with the Israelites, which he gives us through Jesus Christ, is still the same as it was way back when. It is this, first and foremost, to have a relationship with you, to have a vital, life-giving connection, communion with you. That's why God saved Israel, and that's why God saved you and I. For more than anything else, he wants us to understand the delight and the privilege of what it means to have a heavenly father, a perfect father, whom we can walk through life with and have a true connection and relationship with. You know where it starts? It starts with a life given in prayer. That's what God's telling the Israelites. He's talking to Jeremiah. If you look at verse one, Jeremiah's in this place. God's coming to him a second time while he was still shut up in the court guard. He was, he was imprisoned. He was, he was away from God and, and God, notice how God comes to him. God comes to him. God comes to his people and he invites them back. He's saying, hey, hey, you don't have to be away from me forever. I am simply but a prayer away. And what delights the heart of a father more than anything else is his children drawing near to him for meaningful relationship. What God wants more than anything else from our lives this year, first and foremost, before we run around trying to figure out how to solve the world's problems and how to determine what we're gonna do for God, you know what God wants more than anything else? He wants to hear from our lips the fact that we love him and he is ours and we are his more than the grumblings of our heart when we use the name of God or maybe even use him as a curse word. God wants to hear that we love him and we want to commune with him and consult with him and connect with him. This is the heart of a father. God is a heavenly father. The, Holy, the, the Old Testament says that the New Testament, God is our heavenly father and, and he's the perfect heavenly father. This is what I long for for my kids. How disappointed I would be if my kids only called out to me to get things from me or only call out to me and talk to me when they had to and I pinned them down and made them. You know what delights me as a dad is when you have those little moments of conversation with my son or my daughter. My daughter's easier than my son because she's just like, wah, 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 wah. about everything and anything. But my son, he's sometimes a little a bit of a hard nut to crack. And I ask him all kinds of questions like, what do you ask me all these questions for, dad? Stop already. 
Because like, I just want to know, man. I want to know what your day was like. I want to know what's going on in your mind. I want to know what's going on. In those moments where we go for a walk with a dog or something, and he actually like, stops and, and tells me what's going on. Like, I come home, like, how was the walk with the dog? It was great, Ruth. I hate the dumb dog, but the walk was great. <laughs> Is that to share with me a little bit about his day? I, I love that. This is what God desires from his kids more than anything else. That's why he gives this, this, this invitation. It's, 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 kind of a, it's kind of a command, but it's more of an invitation. I think it's a little bit of both. It's this, it's this hey, hey, as you go throughout your life, don't forget one thing. Don't forget to call to me. Don't forget to call to me. What, a, what an awesome father that is, don't you think? We sometimes have this picture of God as he's this God in his office and it's got this, this big heavy door with all the locks and it's got the big nameplate on the front and you gotta have special permission to get there and, and you gotta knock and he might be too busy and, and yet God's not like that. God's, God's got his, an open door policy and he has his, 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 anytime someone walks in his office if it's his children, he's like, yes, come on in, come on in. He'll push his chair back and give you time and, and beyond that, he's, he's a guy that says, not just, don't just come and visit me in my office, come to my house. Come and sit in my living room and, and tell me what's on your heart and share with me what's going on in your life that, that I might then in turn share with you what's on my heart and what I want for your life. Do you realize that God's number one priority for every single day is not to manage the universe? That's pretty easy for him. Number one on his list is this, connect with my kids. Figuring out the nations and who's gonna rise and who's gonna fall. Like he's already got that figured out. He rules the world, it says, with his feet up. He's got that figured out. His number one desire for every day is, is to be glorified. And how is he most glorified in our life? By acknowledging his presence and connecting with his kids. So God's never gonna be too busy. He's never gonna be too overwhelmed for you to walk into his office or into his house and say, can we have a minute? You know what he's gonna say every time? Yes, I do. Thank you for taking me up on my invitation to call. Again, you grew up in the church long enough and I think we just sort of pass over this awesome privilege of prayer, don't you? I do in my life, I think. I don't think I'm a pastor who's got it all figured out. I don't think I'm a pastor, like, I've got prayer, I've got prayer nailed. Guys, well, what's wrong with you? Like, I'm not like that. I read this and I'm like, I don't got this figured out yet. Like, how come I'm not more motivated to pray? This is awesome. And yet, sometimes I think we treat God's invitation to call out to him like we do like 911. Well, I have nothing to worry about because if I ever get in a pinch, I'll call 911. It's pretty easy to remember. And that's how we've kind of relegated this, this desire of God to call out to him. We've relegated that. So if I'm in a pinch, God, I'll call you. I know where to find you, and I know you'll come running for me. And yet God doesn't want to be a 911 God. He does. But there's something deeper than that that God wants for our lives. He wants to be a God. He wants to be a God whom we call upon whom we have access to all the time in every circumstance of every day. He wants to be a God who has an active role in our lives. He wants to be a God that we call on in our victories. First person we call is not our mom or not our cousin or not our best friend. We call on God. He wants to be that guy. In our defeats, he doesn't want us to come and call on ourselves first. Like, how am I going to figure this out? I've got a power over it. No, he wants to be the guy that we, we, we call upon. I, I don't know what to do. I'm going to call upon my father. This is what brings the invitation of God. And this is what brings the fullness of the power of prayer. We realize that God is there for us all the time. And what he wants for us more than anything else is to simply not take him or this great avenue of prayer for granted. I know I said this already, but when you see the call for prayer, you're like, call to me. You're like, yeah, call on God, I get that, but don't forget verse two. Don't forget verse two. This this isn't anybody saying, hey, here's my number, call me. This is God of the universe. Here's my number, I insist, call me anytime. I want to hear from you. This isn't stirring you up a little bit. This is amazing stuff. This even blows away some of our little, this even blows away some of our little ideas about God. Again, not wanting to bother him, we think, with our stuff. But this is our greatest delight. This is our greatest joy in life, to be able to call out to God. Even you think of this idea of call out to me, it's, it's not that God just wants us to come and have these nice little rope prayers, these nice little, these nice little 
calm, dear Jesus, please be. You know, those are okay. Those are fine. You're calling out to God. But, but even this, this call to call out to me, there's something more significant than that. God wants us to be the, the, the consuming desire and passion of our heart, the one that we're urgent to meet with and see. And when he says to call out to me, he's not saying, you know, say a little quick thing before dinner. That's not calling out to God. What God wants more than that is for us to truly engage our heart and our mind and our soul with him in our prayer life. He wants us to long for this time. When he's saying, call out to me, it's because they had forgotten him. He's like, no, no, don't just, not, don't just remember me, but call out to me. Long for me the same way I long for you. How did God long for us? Well, he sent us Jesus Christ. That's a pretty deep longing, don't you think? To die on the cross for our sins that we might be done with all the sin and all the thing that separates us from him. And he longs for us to have the same passionate urgency for him back. Again, I think we've relegated prayer to being this little religious compartment of our lives that God never intended prayer to be and then we even miss the heart of God as we pray. And we just go through our daily routine. I did my prayer, I said my prayer, and, but that's not what God wants from us. He wants us to call out to him. Be eager and ready to pour your whole being before God, the Lord your God, your maker. I remember when I was in junior kindergarten, it's the only thing I remember from junior kindergarten, um, waiting in the coat room for my dad to come one day, and back was, that was back in the days when parents rode their bikes to pick you up and actually rode you home on the handlebars. That was a highlight for me, without a helmet even. Crazy, I know, we were nuts. And I remember waiting and seeing my dad out the window, and I was so, it must have been a bad day, but I remember so longing to see my dad that I just like busted through I was like, Dad, you came! And he got off his bike and he gave me a big hug and I remember everyone was laughing as I was running out and I was like, why is everyone laughing? I'm just excited to see my dad. And then my dad gave me his hug. He said, good to see you, son. You have a good day and all those things. He said, by the way, you left your slippers on. And so I was so excited to see my dad that I forgot to take my slippers off and put my shoes on. So I had to do the walk of shame. All the parents were snickering. All the kids were waiting at the door. Like, what's wrong with this kid, you know? But this is, I think, the... I think that's the way that God is calling us to call out to him rather than the way that we sometimes get in the mode of doing. I'm just so excited to spend time with you today, God, that I can't wait. Dad, can I share with you what's on my heart? Can you share with me what's on your heart? I'm just so glad that you are here today. This honestly, it seems like three words, but it's a true biblical call to prayer. This is what prayer really is. We've defined it in so many ways. You know what prayer really is? It's calling out to God consistently holding nothing back from God, having an urgency for God, a delight in God. This is what prayer really is. And this is to happen not just at certain points in your routine, but this is to happen all day long. True biblical prayer, calling out to God in all ways, in all circumstances. This is what the Bible calls as, in the New Testament, praying without ceasing, it says. This is God's heart for us to have a continual, ongoing dialogue with him. Pray without ceasing, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Ephesians 6, 18 says to pray at all times. Luke 18, 1 says to always pray. Always pray. Whether you're doing good or not doing good or things are going well or not going well, God wants us to pray. It's where his greatest delight is and it's where your greatest delight is. You miss this. You miss this concept of calling out to God. You miss the fullness of your relationship with God. You wonder why religion is, it becomes, church becomes a religion and why your life becomes stale. You know what you're probably missing? You're probably missing that vital relationship with calling out to God. Because you pray, and guess what? God's gonna ignite your life in ways that you never expected. You pray, you can read the word, but you don't read the word without prayer. Prayer and the word go hand in hand. You pray, and God's gonna move. God's gonna move, and look what God promises as he moves. God promises these four words next. You read them for me, because they're, again, simple but so profound. Call to me, and what will he do? Say it again with like excitement and like call to me and your prayer life is going to explode and take off when you see God for who he really is when you understand when you understand the great privilege of prayer and also when you begin to trust in God's promise to answer your prayers God promises us in this passage he will answer our prayers. These next four words are key to this whole passage on prayer. They're key to our prayers. If we don't believe this, if we don't believe God's gonna really answer our prayers, we're not gonna pray. When we struggle with prayers because probably we don't believe that God really answers our prayers. 
And yet God promises here, I will answer your prayers. Who's going to answer our prayers? God's going to answer our prayers. What's that mean? That means that the phone never rings long enough that God doesn't get there to it on time. Oh, I was so busy preoccupied. The phone was ringing. I heard it, but I didn't get to it. God, that's, that's not like God. It means when we dial up a prayer to heaven, we don't have to go through 40, 40 or 50 different angels on the switchboard going, what department are you looking for? Let me put you on hold for a minute. We don't have to do that. God's going to answer our prayers. We don't get the runaround. When we call into heaven, we don't get the runaround of, of um, maybe you're available, maybe you're not, he's available. Um, maybe we'll see, I don't know. Like God is always available to hear and answer our prayers. Think of that for a minute. God promises to answer our prayers. No one else can make that promise. I can't even promise your pastor to answer all your calls. There's things going on. My wife and my, my, her, our ongoing joke is that I don't know why she has a cell phone because every time I really need her, it's never on. When I don't need her, she's easy to get a hold of. When I really need her, it's, I don't know. It's in her purse. It's like at the, I don't know where it is. It's funny for us, maybe not you guys. Maybe you're like, yeah, I get that. But it's so frustrating when you can't get a hold of the person you need. But God's not like that. When God, when you call a prayer to heaven, he says there's only going to be one person other than that line every single time on the first ring. It is I. See that word I? This is from God. I will answer you. You can be sure of it. I will be available. I will respond. I will listen. It says the same thing in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. You can write this passage down and look it up later or check it out on the screen. This is one of the awesome privileges that we have in prayer. That this is not available to the unbeliever, get this. This is not available to the unbeliever. If you're an unbeliever here today and you don't follow Jesus Christ, your first call to God is, God, I need help. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I don't have any connection with God. I don't have any hope of life. But if you're a believer here, this is the promise that God has given you. If you say that prayer, I need the Lord, then he opens up this promise for you in 1 John 5, 14, through Jesus Christ, the one who died for the penalty of our sin and reconciled us with God. And and this is, it brings us to the throne room of God. This is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, guess what? He, he, Hears us. You can unpack this according to his will later on in the series, but you just have to know this. The more you pray, the more you know the heart of God. The more you have the heart of God as you pray, the more you see answers, direct answers to your prayers. But he hears us is the point I want to bring out. And, and if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. God answers you can write these two verses down too, Matthew 21, 22 and Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you ask for, you will have in Jesus Christ if that's God's desire for your life. These four words, I will answer you, is this. It's God's guarantee. It's God's always, 100% of the time, I will answer your prayer in the very best way for you in the time frame that is right for you. Together again, I will always answer your prayer in the best way for you, but not the way we think is best, the best way for you in the time frame that is always right for you. So there's never a prayer that God's like, dismiss. He never listens to his messages and then just doesn't respond. He always responds. It might be a yes. Sometimes it's a yes. It's a resounding yes. We're like, wow, God, you're so awesome. We like those ones, right? Sometimes he's like, you know what, son, daughter, you just don't really know the fullness of what you're asking. I'm saying no for your good. And we ought to, in those, those times, be also like, if we, really, if we really believe God is good and God cares and God's answering prayer, we ought to believe in the same time and be like, yes, thank you, God, for not answering this prayer. For I don't know what that answered prayer would have done to me or through me. You know what I mean? So he either answers yes, he answers, either answers no, or he might just simply say, wait. Wait. Another one we hate. Wait. Hate, wait. But you don't know what God's got to do yet in you. You don't know what God's got to do in somebody else. You don't know all the details. God's got to work out in his time, in his grace, and ways that are going to get him the most glory. The best thing for you is to wait. God always answers prayers. Always. I will answer you. Takes away this whole belief system that somehow has crept into the church. Well, God is sovereign, God's in control. He's just going to do what He's going to do, so I'm not even going to bother praying because God's going to do it. 
That's not what this is saying. What's this saying? Actually, children, I love hearing your prayers and I will answer your prayers and I will respond to your prayers. If only you pray. If only you pray. I don't know about you, but this makes me want to pray more. I look back over my last year even, and I'm like, what was I wasting so much time doing? Sometimes I think I was more focused on like goofy things. Why did I just spend more time praying? If this is true, if God is God, he asks me to pray and he answers my prayer. Man, some of us spend more time, let's be honest, some of us spend more time updating our Twitter accounts and our Facebook pages and Instagrams than we do actually conversing with the God of the universe. Wow. And yet God promises he answers our prayers. You know any prayers God's answered for you in the last year? If you were to take note, if you don't think God answers prayer, here's what I encourage you to do. Start writing down all your prayer requests with a little column that says answer. And you can put it like a yes, no, maybe at the top. Or yes, no, wait at the top. Prayers, answered prayers. And if you keep diary of those things, you know what you'll find over the years? You'll have an answer for every single one. There's some that are gonna have blanks yet, but you know what? God is gonna fill in those blanks in his time. He always answers prayer. We've experienced that this whole four and a half years of being a church. I still can't believe we moved here five years ago next month and it's like, wow, where'd that five years go? Look at all that God has done. He's answered even some of the prayers that in your night you're moaning and groaning in your heart. The Holy Spirit's answering those prayers as Romans 8 says, amen. Even though this past month you have no idea that Christmas offering is the least of the prayers that God has answered. Came in here Tuesday night before Christmas Eve to the rehearsal and they were all in here to the fumes of paint from the gym that man, it made me high in 15 minutes. They're singing angels we have heard on high. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm high. <laughs> I went to the janitor. I'm like, we can't meet here. This is like, my eyes are stinging. My nose is ringing. This is not good. I'm like, how'd you guys do it for an hour and a half at that point? And David had no idea by that point. He was all like loopy. <laughs> Just so focused on like worshiping the Lord. But I said, we can't meet here. Went to the janitor and less, there's not less. Um, Albert's like, well, nothing. What do you want me to stop work? I can't do that. I'm like, well, we can't meet here. We got little kids coming here. It's like strong. You ever been in a room where it's painted? Like the strong, like industrial paint that's like, I'm like, we can't meet here. And he's like, I'm not going to stop work for you. And so I went home and I was like, well, we, uh, plan B, you know, my plan B, like, uh, okay, we'll meet at Scott Street. We'll do this. We could do this. We could do this. And just, just prayed about it. Lots of the night. Woke up in the morning, met Brett and and David here to see if we could like talk to them and they were like, janitors were no help at all. Um, yeah, that's why we hang out down here because it's too strong up there and I'm like, we can't meet here. So all the way back to the office, I'm praying. I'm like, God, if you, I know you want to be worshipped. I know you want Christmas Eve to happen because this is one of those, you know what I mean? Like, you got to work this out. I don't know how you're going to do it but I, you got to do it. Got to the office and Connie made a phone call to the school board and the person on the other end, the person that we connect with just happened to be in the office from nine to 10 that day on a schoolwork week, which they're not supposed to be there. Coincidence? Come on, coincidence? So she talked to them for um, five, 10 minutes, the way that Connie always talks to them. And generally the school board is, we were very thankful to be here, but the school board is not super helpful, put it that way. And so we're all like, we're doomed. Like, this, this, oh, what do we do? I don't know what we're gonna do. So I'm already working on plan B. And so Connie talked to her for like 10 minutes and lo and behold, guess what God did? God in his grace, allowed favor with the school board. By 9.30, the work order had been placed out to stop all work at Sir Winston. That never happens. By 10 o'clock, the painters were out of here and the doors were opened by, the next day, we got in here with fans. That's why all the fans were here because we had the doors open, fans blowing. One of our people, Frank Weens, brought his industrial fans, were blowing it out. By the time people got here, was there any smell? There's a little bit, but not much, right? God answers prayer how quick we are to move on to plan B, which is like, I'll figure it out. And yet God's plan A is, why don't you stop and ask? I will answer. We see it over and over. We just don't recognize it. We see it over and over and we pray and when we get no's, we get all like, no, he said no, but when we get yes, we're like, oh, thank you, high five, move on and forget that God did it. Even on the way to Montreal this year, my truck only acts up when we go to Montreal, so I think we gotta stop going. No more family visits to Montreal, but of course the light comes on I've never seen before. It's engine overheating, pull over. And I'm like, ah, it took three hours to pack the truck. I don't want to pull over. Pull over, let it uh, cool down, said a quick prayer, jump back in. I've never seen that light before or since. Even the little things. We pray with the big things. Even the little things. God wants to do what? He wants to answer us. 
again, you believe this and prayer is just gonna become your native tongue. I don't have to tell you any more preaching on prayer. You're just gonna start, if you really believe these three things alone, you're just gonna start praying. How can you not wanna pray? Prayer is just gonna become your native tongue. You don't believe this. Prayer is gonna sound like Greek to you. You're just not gonna wanna pray. You're just not gonna be the passion for prayer. You're gonna say, what's the point of prayer? Like I got better things to do than pray. This is what God longs for us is to be a people who pray and who pray hard and pray fervently and, and look for and eagerly expect the answer of God. I read one stat this week that said the average North American believer pre, uh, prays. How many, how many minutes a day do you think the average North American believer prays? Out of 24 hours a day, they pray average of three minutes a day. Do you believe this? Do you really believe this? You don't have to give me an answer. You know how you know if you really believe this or not? That God is a God who wants to hear our prayers and God is a God who answers prayers? How do you know if you really believe this? Take a quick peek at your last week and your last month. How much time did you spend pursuing God in prayer? National average of three minutes. I propose that three minutes a day tells you that the, not a whole lot of belief in a God who hears and answers our prayer. Do you really believe this? Take stock of your own life. Do you really believe in prayer? We've got it on our pillars. We can say it. Oh, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna pray. I tell people I'm gonna pray for you, but do you really pray? Do you really believe in prayer? Let's ask God to give us a greater belief in prayer this coming year, knowing this. God doesn't just answer our prayers. But God is gonna show us unbelievable things through our prayers. Call to me, he says, and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. How simple this is, eh? This is coming from God. Call to me and I will answer you. He's gonna answer our prayers. We're not looking for laundry list of prayers here though. Call to me, I'll answer you and I'll tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. Your prayer life will take off and the last thing is you believe in the limitless potential of prayer. It's not just about God answering our prayers, it's about the limitless potential that God wants to do in our lives through the power of prayer. Prayer does this, according to this, if God is gonna do, if God is gonna um, tell us great and hidden things you have not known, this is what God is doing. He is opening up our lives to a whole new world through prayer. See that? A whole new world is out there that we don't even know about because we haven't spent time praying and seeking the face of God. And get this, prayer isn't just talking to God. He says, call unto me and I'll answer you. But you know what prayer is? What does he say here? I will what? What's the word? It starts with T, ends with L. Tell. I will tell you things. This is, this is a significant part of prayer that we miss and our prayer lives are boring and dull. It's probably because we're running into God and saying, God, I want you to, I need you to. See ya, thank you. But God's like, wait, 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 that's not the purpose of prayer. Prayer is to come and commune with me and to spend time with me. I want to hear your heart, but I also have things on my heart that I want to relate to your heart. What are you telling me that I don't already know, but what can I tell you that you don't yet know? Part of the wonder of prayer, the delight in prayer is that we listen and hear from God. God promises to speak to his kids. That's a miracle in itself. God promises to speak to his kids. Prayer opens up our hearts to the full reality of God, not just to his world, not just the spiritual realm, but to the realm here on earth. The Israelites here saying, what's next, God? God's like, you wanna know what's next for your lives. I'm gonna show you what's next for your lives. You're in captivity now, but it's gonna end. It's not just the spiritual realm God's answering. He wants to open up our whole world to his world that he could put into us great and hidden things. What are the great things God wants to teach us through prayer? God wants to teach us many things through prayer, many good things. What are the great things? They're the things of God. You know the first thing God wants to teach us through prayer, the greatest thing God wants to do in our lives through the power of prayer? He wants to show us a greater glimpse of who he is. Yes, that happens as you read your word, but that doesn't happen if it's apart from prayer. The greatest thing God wants to show you, the greatest thing you're missing out on by dismissing prayer is this, you're missing out on the fullness of the face of God. This is the greatest thing God can show us. How does it happen? It happens as we get on our knees and pray. As we pray, God reveals himself to us. Prayer also gives us a greater, a greater wonder of our salvation. If your salvation is getting kind of old and cold and still, you're like, I don't know how to fuel this thing. I don't, you know how you fuel that thing? You start praying and asking God, God, show me again how... Uh, how 
unbelievable my salvation is, the fact that I have a God who saved me and forgive, forgave my sins. Some more great things God does. He, he opens up the scriptures to their full reality. How does that happen through prayer? You might be like, oh, my word of God's dead to me now. I don't, there's nothing more to read in here. I've read it a hundred times. Me too, me too. But guess what? Weekly, as I come to God in prayer, you know what it is? He shows me not, not new, crazy things. That, oh, I never, ever heard of that before, but new, the, a new fullness of the depth of the truths that are already here. How does that happen? How does that happen? Through prayer. How does God's word come alive to you? Through prayer. How does God unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in you? It's through the power of prayer. These are the great things God wants to show you through prayer. We miss prayer. We're not hurting anybody but ourselves. We miss out on the fullness of all these things, the Holy Spirit, and he also illuminates our heart to the next steps in our lives. He shows us what he has next for us. Not as in like this crystal ball approach, like God, ooh, what's the future? but he reveals his purpose and his plans and his will for us only as we pray. I just want to know what God wants. I just want to know what God wants. Help me figure it out. Help me figure it out. I can't help you figure it out. We don't have to do it. I can pray for you, with you, to ask God to show you what he wants for your life. God promises here to show us hidden things. What are the hidden things? They're things that we'd otherwise not know apart from conversing directly with God. That's what the hidden things are. In other words, in God's office up in heaven, there's this great big vault with like the forbidden, the secret things of God and he opens up the vault for you and I through prayer and he brings us into the secret things of God and he even pulls out the file with your name on it and he says, hey, you wanna know? You wanna know a little bit about my will for your life and my purpose and my, here it is. Read it and see. This is only through prayer. God gives us a full access to God's whatever God has for us. For Israel, it was God's redemptive future of hope and restoration. For you and I, it's our future with God here and forever. It's prayer. It's prayer. How is God doing so many amazing things in our church? It's prayer. How do we know what to do next? It's prayer. God promises to show us the hidden things of life, the things that are hidden in your life right now. You know how they're accessed through prayer? Their access as you seek God, your path through the adversity you're facing. I don't know what to do next, pastor. The Bible says to do this. I'm doing it all. What's next? What's next? Seek the Lord in prayer. He gives you the path through adversity, the hidden things. He gives you through prayer. What do I do about this relationship? It's so hard. I've tried everything. I don't know what to do anymore. I'm batting my head against the wall. You know what you do? You seek God and say, God, what's next in this relationship? What's the, the, the hidden element of this that I need to, to do or that you need to do? Even in our business decisions, we, well, here's my church life, here's my Christian life, and then everything else is over here. Even in our businesses, God, what's next? What's next? What's the next plan for me? What's your next step for me? You know where you find that out? Not by running out the door and not even talking to God, just giving your list and running out, by spending time wanting to know the heart of God and letting God put his heart in your, into your heart. Even your business decisions, God will reveal the hidden things to us. In every little daily dilemma that we have and every little thing that we come across, God wants to reveal himself to us in greater ways that only happens through, you get it, through what? Prayer. If you pray, you already get this. You're like, I know, it's awesome. I can't believe it. I am a prayer warrior because God has shown me these things. If you don't get it, you're sitting here going like, oh, I wish I knew, I wish I knew. There's only one thing to say. Just, just trust the Lord and put it into practice. Take God at his word. Get your eyes on God again. Heed the call to call out to him. Believe. By faith, believe. James said if you don't believe, there's no point in praying. Believe that he will hear and answer your prayers and then just spend time in his presence seeking his plans and his purposes for your life. God will answer every single time. I think we'd save ourselves a whole lot of stress and fret and fear if we just did this one simple thing. Called out to God. Here's what prayer is. You ever been at the water park where they have those big buckets of water and the little kid comes and pulls the, pulls the string and it just dumps out over everybody? And they try and get everyone as they walk by? That's what prayer is. That's what prayer is for us. The big bucket of God's presence and God's blessings and God's wisdom and God's love and all the things that God has. All we have to do, the, the, the prayer is this. We go to that string of prayer, we pull it, and God dumps out all those things on us as he determines E.M. Bounds says this, 
Prayer is a channel through which all good flows from God to man. Prayer is a channel which all good flows from God to man, and so our only role in that is what? Is to pray. I am praying this year that my own life grows in this more than ever before. I am praying that God shows me the wonder of prayer, the delight of prayer, the focus of prayer like never before. I'm praying that God does this in your hearts and your lives. That this 2016, the year of never before praying in our church, the year that we can't stop seeking God, the, the, the year that, that even we do a call at the end of service that we know when something needs to be prayed for, we don't just walk out, we actually come and pray. The year that, that as, we, as we interact with each other after church, we don't just say, hey, I'll pray for you, but the year we actually stop and pray for that person. The year we actually pour ourselves out before the Lord and we see God do mighty things in us and through us that we can only at the end of 2016 say, how did that happen? It only happened by God through the power of prayer. That's it, that's all I got. I got no other explanation. That's what I'm praying for, for my life and for our church. You with me? Amen. Praying that we'll know the delight of prayer, the beauty of prayer, and the wonder of prayer. So that we'll be actually a people of prayer after God's own heart. Let me pray. And so, Father, even as we hear this word from you, this sweet picture of who you are, this amazing invitation to come and pray, this promise that you will answer our prayers, and then the potential of showing us great and hidden things that we have not known. God, I pray in the midst of all this that you would spur our hearts to be a people who pray. God, I can teach on prayer. I can talk about prayer. I can tell others how to pray, but God, I pray that this year you would help me be a man of prayer to a greater extent. God, I pray you'd help our church be a church of prayer to a greater degree than we are now. For God, what we long for more than anything else is to know the great and hidden things of you. We long to see your face. We long to know the power of the word of God alive in us. We long to see you do in our lives and through our lives what only you can. And so God, I pray today that we wouldn't just hear a message and be motivated for a second. But God, that you drive this deep in our hearts that prayer would be truly our deepest joy, our greatest delight, our consuming focus as we live this life for the glory of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for giving us life, for giving us Jesus, for giving us prayer. We love you, Lord. We're thankful in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.